T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. All right, what one matchup is the most important on the football field come Sunday? We are three days, 14 hours away from Super Bowl Sunday, and no better place to turn to for information and analysis on this game and on the upcoming draft class than Pro Football Focus. Check them out, pff.com. It's a hump day, home and home here on radio.com, sports original. Check us out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire, but the smartest way to break down any and all NFL or college games is to go to pff.com. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm in Connecticut. Jason Mertides, radio.com, master of all in the universe. He is in Philadelphia. And our good friend Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, he's down in Miami. Where else would he be for the Super Bowl? Steve, good to have you on the program. What is the scene down there in Miami? How does this one differ from Super Bowl's past? Uh, there's no food. Did Ross complain about the food enough? With the, you know, of this course is, uh, he did. There's, there's no food down here for the media. That's that's the biggest takeaway. Other than that, it's a good it's a good buzz. Everybody's previewing the game. Everything. Everybody's expecting a good game. I think is the is the great part of it. It's two great teams, and it should be an awesome matchup. But. The poor media folks over here are hungry. We can't find food anywhere. Well, at least you're not in Minneapolis again. I missed that one, so I can't imagine. Was that just freezing cold? I imagine. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I missed that one. All right, let, let's get into the matchups then, since you you poor media folks, you know, you and your no food. <laughs> um, tell me, Steve, what to you is the one most important matchup on the football field, the one you think will determine a winner on Sunday? Yeah, I think it definitely has to be the Mahomes versus the Niners defense. It's a it's a big matchup. It's the entire side of the ball, but you know that's the story, right? The Chiefs almost certainly have to win uh, through the air, and the Niners defense, the most improved defense in the NFL, the number one coverage grade by PFF standards. They can get after the quarterback uh, from a pass rush standpoint. So I think that just overall, Mahomes spreading the ball around to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Does he find another? unsung hero like a Sammy Watkins or a Mecole Hardman. I think that entire side of the ball um, is going to be huge. I think that's the one everybody wants to talk about because it is such a strength against strength matchup. Richard Sherman, the pass rush for the Niners, it's, it's going to be a great one. When you look at this game, do you recall any Super Bowls in recent history where you have two tight ends of this magnitude, guys that really can help control their offense and are such weapons when you look at Kittle – Travis Kelsey and what they can provide to this game. This may be the best tight end matchup I can recall in the history of, of the NFL, at least in, in my time really paying close attention to it. No, it has to be. I mean, Gronk in 2017 against Zach Ertz, maybe just because mm-hmm. Gronk was so special. But I mean, we're talking about now that Gronk's gone, the two best tight ends in the league and Kittle and Kelsey. Kittle's a little bit better all around. And that makes him um, such a great fit for Shanahan's scheme, who likes to use him as a traditional old school tight end in the run game, but it can also deploy him all over the field. And then of course with the chiefs, they're going to put uh, Kelsey everywhere to kind of create those mismatches that they're looking for, uh, especially in the red zone. So um, there is nothing like 
uh, as an elite tight end to just make the quarterback's job easier and make an offense uh, move the ball. And, you know, they truly are the quarterback's best friend just because they create easier throws. They catch 75% of their, their targets because of the way um, they can get open against, you know, smaller safeties and corners and, and run away from linebackers. So, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And the way they're deployed on Sunday is just going to be uh, something to watch. The PFF grade agrees with Rob Gronkowski, who yesterday said, no doubt about it, George Kittle is the best yeah. tight end in the game. And, and, yeah, I think we all agree about that. Can the Niners win another game like the NFC Championship in which Jimmy Garoppolo throws the eight, eight times, or does he have to throw it 20 to 25 times to win this football game? Yeah, he might have to throw it a lot more than that. I mean, that was such an anomaly having him throw the ball only eight times. And I think a lot of people are so focused on that last thing that we saw and kind of forgetting that Garoppolo won a shootout in New Orleans against Drew Brees. You know, he, he won through the, uh, won the game through the air uh, against the Rams in a must-win situation in Week 16. He had a great game in Week 17 against Seattle and that other must-win game on Sunday Night Football. So and Garoppolo hasn't been great this year. I don't think he's been top-10 caliber, but that passing offense is putting up top, uh, top five production as a passing offense, which is something, you know, you give credit to Shanahan and that scheme, the play action game. And then Garoppolo, I think is managing it. Well, very Hasselbeckian as I like to compare him <laughs> to Matt Hasselbeck who led the Seahawks to a, uh, to a super bowl. So I think Garoppolo will have to make plays. I don't think we're going to see him throw the ball eight times. And um, if he does make plays though, that Niners offense is definitely going to be difficult to stop. The NFL's done everything it could over the past bunch of years, decade plus to, to make it a passing league keeping your hands off receivers yet what we've seen in the past couple of years and is the reemergence of the running back and we've seen that very prevalent in these playoffs you look around the league guys like Zeke Elliott uh, you look at Saquon Barkley in New York and what these how these guys can affect a game the running back is going to be a very impactful battle come Super Bowl Sunday as well yeah, and I think what you saw from Raheem Mostert in the NFC Championship, you know, obviously going to be tough to duplicate a, a four-touchdown performance. But I think what Shanahan has shown, the Shanahan family has shown that those running backs, it doesn't matter if it's Terrell Davis or a Mike Anderson or Devontae Freeman, uh, Alfred Morris, it doesn't really matter who the actual guy is. They scheme it up extremely well. They took that outside zone scheme, which is – really tough to stop when it's executed well they've added new wrinkles to it they use the Niners use more motion than any other team in the NFL so that creates space for guys like Mostert who are extremely fast so I think the schematics of the run game are as important if not more important than the actual guy carrying the ball so I think that's going to be the key to watch there and then Kansas City their run game is just you know if they have the lead in the second half they might hand it off a little bit it's still going to be a Mahomes show uh, much like it was the last few weeks whether they're behind or not, they need, they know they need to win the ball, win through the air. And they're, they're the most pass heavy team, you know, when it comes to early in the game, knowing that points come through the passing game. So I think on that side of the ball, you'll see them throw in. And on the other side, you'll try to see more balance from the Niners, but it's going to come down to, you know, that scheme and the run blocking up front to determine if Mostert has another big game. Talking to Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. Check him out right now. PFF Championship Sale, 30% off annual subscriptions. The best analysis, both college and pro football. On the surface, Steve, I look at this game similar to Super Bowl 36, in which the Pats stifled the greatest, uh, the greatest show on turf. Six years later, Super Bowl 42, Steve Spagnola, um, that Giants team stopped the 18-0 Patriots that could not be stopped that season with Randy Moss. And then six years after that, 
the Seattle Seahawks punched my Broncos in the face, 43 to eight in New York. Is it similar to you with that dynamic of high flying, high powered offenses against a more physical front seven, great defense and does defense win championships still? So, yeah, I mean, I definitely get that feeling of, you know, at, at the time it was like, who could stop the Rams? Who could stop the Patriots? Who could stop the Broncos? And then they, they did get slowed down. So you do get that feeling with the Chiefs, especially the way Mahomes is playing right now. I think the the idea that defense wins championships is, you know, it's actually less than we think. I think that, you know, how well the offense plays kind of dictates how good the defense looks more than anything else. So um, I don't know that there's a clean game plan, so to speak, against Mahomes. If he misses throws, then the Chiefs are in trouble. If he keeps uh, remaining patient in the pocket like he was against Houston and Tennessee and finding the open man and not necessarily playing hero ball, then I don't know no matter what happens with uh, the Niners if they can slow down that Chiefs offense. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners came out and played a great game and you know shocked the world and held Mahomes to 17 points or some low point total that we're not used to seeing from him. But I think over time, the offense is kind of still dictating the action and we've seen that other than last year we've seen that in recent Super Bowls too we've seen a lot of points on the board and you know defenses kind of being at the mercy of how good some of these passing offenses have been one thing you can't measure measure in the Super Bowl is the effect of being in the Super Bowl um we've seen Andy Reid struggle late in games with time management issues in big situations although he did get to a Super Bowl in the 04 season and the 2005 Super Bowl in Jacksonville um so when you look at the effect the Super Bowl and being in the Super Bowl will have on these players and these rosters, who's better equipped to handle that kind of pressure and, and that stage that's going to be down in Miami? It's going to be a fascinating one because, you know, one of these coaches is getting that kind of stigma taken away, right? Shanahan 28-3 to and, you know, Reed, as you mentioned, Deborah. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe being the best coach ever not to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, something's got to give here. I think um, it depends on how the, how they handle the most recent thing that they saw. If the most recent thing for Shanahan in his head is 28 to three. Does he say, okay, now I need to run the ball. Or I can't pass it. Do they overcorrect, you know, maybe some of those, those previous issues that they've had with Andy Reid? Does he try to sit on the ball a little bit too early? I think that's kind of been his, his issue, you know, and it's easier, I think, when you have a Patrick Mahomes to say, okay, we're just going to keep our foot on the gas until this game's over and just continue to make first downs and put points on the board instead of getting too conservative if they have a fourth quarter lead. So um, I think Andy Reid is kind of in that situation where he's like ready to learn from those mistakes. I think Shanahan is too, so it's going to be fascinating to see. But I'd lean toward Reid just having the situation to say, okay, Forget the time management stuff. Forget this run the clock. You know, we're going to put the ball, put the ball in Mahomes' hands and let him win it for us, even if you do have that fourth quarter lead. Talking to Steve Palazzolo, profootballfocus.com. Check them out, pff.com. Best receiving core in this game. Who is it? On the surface, you say it's easy, Kelsey and Tyreek. But underrated receiving core have the Niners. Who do you has the best total receiving core in this game? So they're both awesome, obviously, but I just think, you know, so the Niners, they scheme it up extremely well, but and they both do really, but the chiefs I think are just so tough because Kelsey's as unique of a guy to cover in the NFL and Tyree kills probably the most unique guy to cover. I mean, it is scary anytime that guy is in space, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage or whether it's down the field. So I still go with the chiefs because uh, you know, you could deploy 
one-on-one coverage to at least contain an Emmanuel Sanders and a Debo Samuel and um, even Kittle to a point. You could play some zone. I don't know how you properly cover Tyree Kill plus Travis Kelsey and then, you know, Meikle Hardman when he starts being used in motion and, you know, Sammy Watkins at least has to be respected. So I still think the Chiefs, um, and, you know, early in the year, Mahomes was missing a ton of throws. They could have put even more points on the board. That overall offense is just spectacular. So I have to give it to the Chiefs because of just how unique and difficult to defend those playmakers are. Richard Sherman, the number one graded cover corner on PFF right now this season. Do they move him around the football field and shadow Tyreek? It's not really in their nature to do that. And I also don't know know if that's the best matchup. You know, Sherman's great against your bigger receivers. I I think, honestly, the Chiefs might want Tyreek Hill on Richard Sherman. He is just spectacular, uh, you know, as far as getting off the line of scrimmage. He's got that deep speed. And at the very least, you know, Sherman's great at not getting beat deep, even if they just start running a whole bunch of comebacks against Sherman because of how how much he has to respect the deep ball. I think Tyreek on Sherman could be an advantage for the Chiefs, as good as Sherman is. So I don't think the Niners go out of their way to maybe, uh, you know, create that matchup. I still think we'll see Sherman playing his spot, mostly at left corner. Hey, Steve, last one for me. When you look at this game in total, and you guys at Pro Football Field, you break down everything. You look at every individual matchup, positional matchups, every element of these games. But when you look at this game and look at each one of these teams in total, are we set up for a great, NFL Super Bowl championship game on Sunday? It, it should be. You know, Vegas has it like a one-point game or whatever it is. We pretty much have it in the same boat. Um, and that's, you know, that's not always common. You know, I think um, strength against strength, as we mentioned with the Chiefs offense, the uh, against the Niners defense, the Niners offense can obviously move the ball any which way. They've won, they've won games in different ways all season, which I think is also – a huge advantage going into this game. They've won games where they've just run it. They've won shootouts. They've won defensive struggles. They've won it all. So um, I think that's what makes it such a, a special battle. And um, I hope we're not disappointed, but I am expecting one of those epic fourth quarter types of games in this one. What's your prediction, Steve? Come on. I keep changing it everywhere I go, but I'll, I'll stick with the Chiefs. I'll stick with Mahomes making those plays down the stretch against that good Niners defense. I think points will be put on the board. I said the same thing last year. It was 13-3, to three, but I think you'll see a lot of points in this game. So we'll say Chiefs 31-24. 31-24, just barely the over. Last question is a tough one. Number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday food. Yeah. I like ribs. I like ribs. Ribs are good. Anytime, really? So if you give me ribs on Super Bowl Sunday, that's what I'll that's what I'll have. Rib, wi- ribs and wings, and I'm good. I'm surprised to hear you say ribs. I mean, that is a real mess. Will you be at the Super Bowl? Or do you prefer being at home, focused on television? Yeah, I prefer being at home, and that's 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 definitely where I'll be. So I'll be watching the X's and O's as best I can, and uh, enjoying it from the comforts of the of the couch. No party, huh? Um, it, it depends. We'll see what happens. I got, I got a bunch of kids, so I'll probably have to stay home with them, put them to bed and uh, focus on the game. Oh man. Yeah. That's always difficult. Focusing with the kids. I got three, two, and I'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Steve Palazzolo down in Miami for the Super Bowl ribs, his number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. And he's got the chiefs. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the time.
Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. PFF.com, 30% off uh, championship subscriptions. Yeah, I, ribs, dude. I mean, I love ribs. I freaking love ribs. But Super Bowl Sunday, you just I have the vision of getting that all over my hands, all over my face, trying to watch the game and clean my shit up. I think ribs, I do not want to see ribs on Sunday. Do you? No. Now, the wings can get messy. So you may have to go with the bib anyway. You may have to steal one of the old baby bibs out. But, no, I'm not going ribs. My number one may shock you, though. Yep, go. How about the seven-layer bean burrito dip that they put in, like, the it's... Pyrex thing? Yeah. With the sour That's cream, guacamole, refried bean. It's tremendous, and it doesn't get messy. It's really good. I'm going to top you, and it is also a dip, and it has to do with wings. And I don't know how – how many people have had it, but buffalo chicken dip, oh. similar to your seven-layer dip. Now My wife it's, makes it all the time. Oh, it's going to kill you. I mean, yeah. it will literally give you a heart attack with all the blue cheese and, and or ranch and buffalo sauce. and Oh, my God. If you get pulled chicken in there mm-hmm. and you can, you can attack it with the chips or you can attack it with the celery and the carrots, you get a little bit of, a little bit of health in there. I think that's my number one graded uh, Super Bowl Sunday food at PFF. You agree? That's it good sounds. Work. That, that that's a good one, and you got to have the variety of the spread. You have to have some smooth things and tangy, and you have to have some spicy and, and punchy things as well. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we've got the millennials weighing in wings for the win. Hero sandwiches, yeah, that's sandwiches are okay. They don't impress me. Pizza is a standard. You have to have it. You have to feed the kids with it. But it's certainly not gonna, you know, not gonna make or break your Super Bowl party. You're not gonna be like, oh sweet, they have pizza. But if you show up and you got ribs, I, I guess Steve Palazzolo's happy. I am probably not. I definitely go for the buffalo chicken dip. We'll have to post my wife's recipe on Twitter and Instagram to spread the love. Speaking of food, I thought it was interesting yesterday. Saw a tweet from the folks at Lucky Charms that oh, both Lucky Charms. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch will have ice cream coming out in the weeks and or months ahead. And I thought a couple of questions here. What cereal would make the best ice cream? And as we approach the cereal bowl, we got to have the cereal bowl off. What's the best cereal to you? Power rankings. Uh, Number one for me, cereal wise, is Lucky Charms. It's phenomenal. You still go in when you pour your bowl. And then you always reach for a couple extra marshmallows because you feel like you want more marshmallows in it. But as far as one that you're going to make into an ice cream, what is it, Cookie Crisp? Remember that with, like, the little mini cookies? Like, you can't go Rice Krispies for an ice cream. That's not going to work. But a Cookie Crisp, that would work. Cookie Crisp would, would be solid. Now, the only problem is those cookies might get, like, really frozen and you might crack a tooth on that but i assume they can find a way to make those not too too hard too crunchy i think cinnamon toast crunch would actually be my number one so that's a good call i don't think lucky charms would make good ice cream myself i think it's a great cereal but only like one bowl every once in a while to me what makes a great cereal is something i can have each and every day and i can't do that with lucky charms because i have cereal every day so i would put cinnamon toast crunch Probably right there near the top. I would say anything cinnamon for me 
is pretty much number one. Um, I had a bowl of Fruity Pebbles the other day, bro. And, you know, my kids eat Fruity Pebbles. I hadn't had one in probably 25 plus years. It was awesome. But again, I felt like it was a one and done thing. Like you can't have Fruity Pebbles each and every day. I I guess that just when you're getting old, Fruity Pebbles are really good one-off, but you can't have it every day. Well, with the Fruity Pebbles too, you got to eat it quick because that's one that gets soggy really fast. So you got to eat that fast because it can't sustain being submerged in the milk for too long. You know what's a good one and would be actually a good ice cream as well is the Cocoa Puffs. I could see Cocoa Puffs Puffs integrated in a vanilla ice cream, and that would be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it'd be that. I guess you'd have a little crunch, so it would differentiate Mm -hmm. it from from chocolate ice cream. That that is a pretty good idea. What I like about anything cocoa cereal, and I have like chocolate checks that I eat at home. I'm gluten-free, so I try to steer to the gluten-free cereals. (laughs) Sometimes I cheat. Some days I have cheat days. But the great thing about Cocoa Pebbles, Cocoa Puffs, and, of course, Chocolate Checks is the chocolate milk bowl that's left at the end, man. Like, I take it like a little kid, and I just drink up my chocolate milk that's left at the end. It's a really nice treat there at the end. I know what I'm going to get you for uh, a gift for your birthday or Christmas. They make the bowl that's got the straw built into the side of it. Have you seen this? Whoa, 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 whoa. Describe this again. It's a cereal bowl, and it has a straw that's built right into the side of it, like here. And then when you're done your cereal, you just, and it sucks it right up. <laughs> I have like 10 of them. You do not. You do not own well, that. I have three I'm calling kids, bullshit. So, yeah, so they, they have the cereal. I don't sit there with the bowl, you know, but. Like me. I wonder what leaves the best milk at the end. You're going to have to ask those three kids of yours. My kids don't usually drink the milk that's left. I wonder if it's the chocolate milk or I wonder if it is, dude, Apple Jacks leaves a tremendous really? milk. And and the aforementioned Fruity Pebbles, oh, that's a bit of a treat there at the end because it really embraces all those sugary, fruity flavors. I'll go with, like, the cocoa, the cocoa Pebbles or cocoa puffs or whatever i like the chocolate that's that's the best milk all right all right we had we had a really in-depth discussion on the cereal bowl that is coming this week and jason going out on a limb he's taking the chiefs by double digits i'd like to make a bet with you but if i had to bet on this game which i did with kendrick perkins yeah i have to go chiefs i just think and here's as we close the program my x factor is I think if you take all things out of the equation, say they can somehow shut down Tyreek Hill and some way shut down Travis Kelsey, this excellent Niners defense, and even they allow pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I think Nicole Hardiman, who runs a 4-3-3-40, could be a real X factor in this game. And it's almost like no one talks about Sammy Watkins, who has one of the fastest speeds on the season, 21.33 miles per hour next-gen stat on a 60-plus yard touchdown pass. I don't know how they're going to cover all those guys. I think Mahomes is going to find Hardman, and he's going to find Watkins, and those two might be the biggest factors in the game. Do you have an X factor before we close? Yeah, and I agree with that. And speed kills, and that's going to be a big part. The one guy that I got to look at that I'm going to be real interested to see how he plays, and I'm going to go away from the team that I'm picking, is I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. 
because what he did to that San Francisco defense this year, he changed so much. And it's so rare for a rookie to come in and do what he's done. I'm going to be real interested to see the impact that Nick Bosa has on this game from a San Francisco mm. standpoint and applying pressure to Mahomes. We saw in the beginning of that Tennessee game, they got pressure, and that limited the amount of damage that Mahomes could do. And then they went away from it. So if San Francisco can get it and sustain it, that's their only chance, in my opinion. So Nick Bosa is an X-Factor guy for me. I think at the end we'll be talking about the greatest postseason run by a quarterback ever because Patrick Mahomes will throw four touchdowns that will leave him with 12 this postseason and no interceptions, putting him above Montana and Flacco. Hard to believe this kid is so good so fast. That'll do it for us on a hump day. Ross Tucker back tomorrow. Steve Tasker, Buffalo Bills, great. We're going to have a little throwback Thursday looking for some past Super Bowl performances. Jason Martinez, great to have you on the show, buddy. Appreciate you pinch hitting today. We'll see you on a Thursday, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.